0: HPPodcraft.com
1: Letter from Walter Fizzen to Dr. Linton by Airmail Dear Leslie, Sorry if I alarmed you with the telegram, but something had to be done, quickly. It's about Elaine. I wanted to get her back home at once, of course, and booked seats on a plane, but she refused, and still refuses to leave here. I can't understand it at all and I'm worried to death about her. She's, well, I hardly know how to put it, but she's not herself. I don't mean that in the usual sense of the phrase. It's something much more literal than that. Heaven knows what's happened to her, poor darling, but it frightens me. And I'm cut off from her too. I can't even talk to her properly and try to understand what the trouble is, nor she to me beyond a few essentials. She can grasp only the simplest sentences, spoken slowly and carefully, and she herself replies only with a few words in broken English.
0: Broken English? That is a sure sign of evil. Or someone who's taken the time to learn a second language, a very difficult second language at that.
2: Indeed. You know, in another weird coincidence, no kidding, last night as I sat down to eat, I felt like watching something, so I popped on the 1950s Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the non-Sutherland version, as it's called in uh, this household. I had not read this story before I did that. I was thinking this was going to be straight-up Dracula's. Heather and I got drawn into the last half hour, finished the movie, and then I got up and read this, and I went, Whoa! This is a body snatcher story. How do you like those
0: Draculas? (laughs) This story is Vengeance by Proxy by John Wyndham. This leads us into a month about vampire or vampire-esque stories because everyone knows March is for Draculas.
2: That's where the phrase mad as a March Hare comes from. It was originally mad as a March Dracula, but was shortened over time.
0: This story was picked by media personality, influencer, writer, and lover, Jamie Britton. Lover of hares. So I've heard a story he claims is about or related to Dracula's, but I'm not so sure. So we thought we would have him defend himself by coming on this show today. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Hey, how you doing? Good to
2: be here. (laughs) Jamie, it's so great to have you back. I'm I'm glad that uh, you weren't too traumatized by Dorian Gray and are willing to come back and talk Dracula's with us. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Chad, who's that reader? Well, as you know, Dracula's are a big, loose organization. It's an umbrella, a big tent under which lives energy vampires like Luella Miller, advertising vampires like The Girl with the Hungry Eyes, and of course, Space Medusas. That's why we've circled in Europe's foremost expert on the Space Medusa phenomena, Greg Johnson, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Greg Johnson is an actor, comedian, and filmmaker. You can see his stuff over on YouTube, so go check it out. Also, he's moving.
2: Yes, he's moving, and he decided to squeeze in a little recording for us, and we really appreciate it, Greg, because I know moving is a difficult uh, operation. Jamie, what have you been up to lately?
3: Uh, You know, just sort of trying to insulate myself against the crushing void of reality, you know. There you go. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Well said. I wish I wasn't joking as well.
2: (laughs) We all laugh, but it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Who is this author, and why why isn't he using initials like all of our other authors
0: let's talk about the author john Wyndham. the first time on this show i think i know him from his story day of the triffids but other than that i know nothing about the guy his given name <laughs> is john Wyndham parks lucas benyon harris mm-hmm. that's greedy yeah. share those names that's too many names for one man
2: think of the initials though you know you, H.B. Lovecraft. I'm J.W.P.L.B. Harris. He could have dominated the game in the world of weird writers who use initials.
0: He was born in 1903 in Warwickshire, England. He started off as a kind of a jack of all trades for work. He was a farmer, a lawyer, a commercial artist. He was in advertising, published his first novel in 1927, The Curse of the Burdens. By 1931, he was selling to American magazines and then to U.K. mags as well. During the Second World War, he served the Ministry of Information as a censor. Day of the Triffids is said to be based on his experience during the Blitz, but then he ended up in the Triple X Corps. He was stationed in Africa and he saw some of the heaviest fighting of the war.
2: Triple X Corps. I thought maybe you put the Triple X in as a placeholder for something in your notes. <laughs> nope. So I looked it up. It's a thing. Yeah. Triple X Corps was a corps in the British Army formed in the Western Desert in forty-one. It provided extensive service in the North African campaign, the whole Rommel affair. So nothing to do with Vin Diesel then? Imagine how disappointed people would be if, if you made a movie about the X Corps and they showed up to see it. <laughs> these guys are undoubtedly heroes, but not in the way audiences would be hoping.
0: After the war, Wyndham published four novels and in 1951 published Day of the Triffids. He is also well known for the chrysalids and his story, The Midwich Cuckoos, which was the story that the movie Village of the Dam, both versions of it, was based on. And he died in 1969 at the early age of 65 years old.
2: Well, he was murdered by possessed children, which is ironic. (laughs) As far as you left that out. I'm also surprised I haven't read this guy before because I really like that Village of the Damned movie. It's got Superman, Luke Skywalker, Savick, and Natty Gan just going savage on a bunch of kids, knocking them (laughs) out left and right. It's amazing.
0: (laughs) This story, Vengeance by Proxy, was first published in 1940 under the name John Benyon. I could not find it digitally, even for sale, so I went and got an old paperback from a used dealer for a couple of quid. Uh, The book is called The Best of John Wyndham, 1932 to 1949, Jamie, how did you first hear of the story?
3: I really don't know. When you put the word out on Twitter that you're in the market for Dracula-based mm-hmm. things, I half remembered this story. It turns out it's not necessarily the most Dracula-y story of all time, although I will be putting forward a strong case
2: mm-hmm. for it. You'd mentioned you Googled John Wyndham Dracula to find it, and I, I tried to do the same thing, but I just wound up with a bunch of LinkedIn results for a guy actually named John Wyndham Dracula. <laughs> and we're friends now. You're going to do a house swap next year. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I mean, John Wyndham, like, for some reason, there were always lots of his books in the school library, maybe because there's been various versions of his books over the years, Mm. kind of on TV. I always kind of think of him as being from a sort of similar lineage as Doctor Who, kind of post-war, can-do attitude, British sci-fi i was always taken by brian Aldiss, the great sci-fi writer's description of him which was meant witheringly meant in a kind of cutting way because he clearly really annoyed brian Aldiss. but the this idea of (laughs) cozy catastrophe the idea and i'm quoting here the essence of cozy catastrophe is that the hero should have a pretty good time a girl free sweets at the savoy automobiles for the taking while everyone else is dying off something to do with the fall (laughs) of the british empire and it is certainly true that lots of his books have this kind of well uh, there's apocalypse going on outside but we've got plenty of jam and lots of nice <laughs> you know we can make toast for a while and we'll be all right which it drove brian this, i think half insane basically but the, it makes the books very readable yeah. because it gives them that kind of
2: domestic sort of coziness to them sure mm. and you know it's funny in the middle of invasion of the body snatchers they're like there's some kind of alien invasion going on outside let's have a cocktail There's a lot of that going on in there.
0: This story is in the epistolary format, a series of letters and reports on an incident.
3: So this is number one in my ongoing series about how this story is a Dracula story, (laughs) the epistolatory structure of it.
0: Our main characters are Walter and Elaine Fizzen, who are traveling in Yugoslavia. Something has happened to Elaine. She's an English woman, but something has caused her to forget how to speak English. And even stranger, she knows the local language fluently. The first message is from Walter, to his friend leslie
2: dr linton who reads these setup events in a hasty letter after receiving a telegraph asking him if he knows any mental specialists in belgrade if i lived in the telegraph fair i would send messages like that to people all the time and then send another a few hours later that just says never mind stop don't explain it
0: <laughs> <laughs> these events all happen when uh, they're on their way from Venice to Greece. Taking the scenic route, they decide, you know what, we're not going to go to Greece. We're going to go to Bucharest instead. They're just out of this place called Vallejo, which is about 60 miles from Belgrade.
3: Reason number two why this story is in fact Dracula. The <laughs> setting is kind of more or less identical. Uh, if you go on Google Maps, as I did, and look at the route between Bucharest and Belgrade, you go straight through Transylvania, bats fly flyway Loud Organ. Yeah, I'll, I'll put those in later. <laughs> or or at least it kind of, it kind of that route. You, if,
2: yeah. if you took the long way around. It is a while until reason number three. I'm just going to warn you of that. Yeah, because we're about to have a car crash and there aren't any car crashes in Dracula until the sequel Two Drac, to Draculous. <laughs> Thunderclap, bats fly away, loud organ, eyes rolling. I'll put those effects on there. All
0: right, so we'll put that in the people's exhibit B. <laughs> So they're driving down the road, as Chad said, by the river when they round a curve and see a man crawling on his hands and knees in the road. They swerve to avoid him and the car crashes.
2: It's pretty adept at describing the crash. I saw how exactly the car turned, you know, writing action. It's a little like sketching a hand or something. It's hard to be specific and efficient. The car tail hits the man and they're stopped from going over the edge by a boulder.
0: Now they're fine, but the car is heavily damaged. They go to look at the guy and he's all messed up. But the wounds are a bit old some of the blood that's on him is dried it wasn't from the accident
2: run (laughs) right there you know run
0: on his head he's got a really bad cut and they sort of wipe off the cut and they realize that it's not from the accident it looks like it's been carved into his head And it looked very similar to the Greek lambda symbol. Walter opens up the man's shirt to see that he has a bullet wound as well. Uh, Walter tries to give him first aid, but he's lost a lot of blood and the man is dying. Walter then looks the man in the eyes and then there's this moment. That was a most extraordinary sensation. I felt somehow as if they had fastened on mine, almost as though our mutual gazes formed physical rods linking us together. More than that, it seemed that the rods were being tugged, pulling me down to him.
3: I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that John Windham only wrote one draft of this story. I really feel like you should have something better than
2: Physical Rod, uh, who incidentally is my fave porn star. Well, yeah, there are a lot of Rods in that business. Actually, I just read yesterday that Lazy Rod passed away. So maybe Physical Rod. Finally, he can just be Rod now like he always wanted to be.
0: Oh, Lazy Rod passed away.
2: He did. Oh, you're upset about that. Well, I'm happy for physical Rod.
0: God, Lazy Rod, he's not even 70 yet. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, man. Yeah. A piece
2: of history has died with Lazy Rod. I always said, Lazy Rod, you got to get up off that couch.
0: <laughs> he really didn't take care of himself, no. Very characteristically,
2: he'd say, but then I won't know who I am anymore. <laughs> this would go on in circles, you know.
0: Yeah. He's
2: a man of contradictions, Lazy Rod. But great poem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, but it stops when this man screams in pain because of his injuries. Walter doesn't want to leave his wife alone, but he decides that he needs to go to Vallejo and get help, leaving Elaine to watch over the dying man.
2: Don't split up. We were just screaming at the TV about this last night because the lead guy in Body snatchers, he and the love interest are trapped near the end of the movie. They haven't slept for days. They know they can't fall asleep or they'll get snatched. And he goes, OK, stay here by yourself and don't fall asleep. I'm going to go check something out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what? The doctor doesn't know the local language, but the locals know some German. And then they're able to talk because he also knows a little bit of German. He gets help. They go back to the scene of the accident. The man is lying on the ground where he was when Walter left. And Elaine is kneeling on the ground next to him. Walter then shouts Elaine, but she doesn't turn to look at him. The man on the ground does. And just then, the man on the ground dies, and Elaine doesn't react to Walter until he touches her on the shoulder.
2: Then it was to look up at me with a bewildered, uncomprehending expression. I took hold of her arm and helped her to her feet. He's dead. I said,
0: Walter and the guy that drove are going to take the body, but then the driver sees that the dead guy, has got this mark on his head and he wigs out and he's pointing at this mark. Unfortunately, neither of them speak enough German to be able to communicate what's going on. But the guy refuses to take the body. So Walter's like, "Okay, I guess we'll just have to go get the police and have them deal with all this.
2: Yeah, I know you're brewing up a Dracula number three, but I'm going to say that the frightened townsperson is a pretty strong (laughs) 2.5. He says, rapidly crossed himself in the manner of the Greek church. He was pointing vehemently at the mark on the dead man's forehead, and he was genuinely as scared stiff as a man could be. Nothing I could do could bring him to touch that corpse, and I believe he would have fought me rather than let me handle it. I'll allow it. (laughs) But watch yourself, counselor. (laughs) Also, when they leave the writing in the car, he turns to Elaine. It says, twice I saw her look down at her hand, flexing the fingers and examining it as if it somehow surprised her. And I expected Mm. it to read stubble was beginning to form on her chin. (laughs) It's pretty obvious what's happening here, right? It is a bit tricky because
3: it's as you read it, it's instantly clear to you reading it, what's happened. Yes. And then the rest of the story is the characters laboriously playing catch up with you yeah. slower than they should.
0: That goes into the story and how good it is is because I knew immediately what was going on when he said Elaine and then the guy on the ground looked at him and Elaine didn't. It was like, oh, body swap. Like right away. I didn't away.
2: figure it out till she had the stubble. But yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> I will say that just having watched that third act of Body Snatchers, which was scary, but it did become silly. The real terror in that movie is in the earlier part of the story. You know, what's going on but the main characters are trying to grapple with it it, and nobody will believe them and so it's almost more important that it's that it is obvious to you because the tension in a body snatcher story is in screaming at the screen like stay away from those people oh they know they're going to get you you idiot you want to be in a place of high wisdom i think with this and of course
3: that film kind of transforms its lead character into the guy screaming at the start of the film yeah they affect that change on the scream at him
2: well in the end of that 50s movie yeah he's out in the street screaming at all the cars and he just looks like a madman yeah and he's kind mm-hmm. of been looking at there's a guy at the beginning of the film doing yeah. the same thing and he's oh it scares mm-hmm. the hell out of you though doesn't it because you watch that and you go this could be me at any moment i always look at that person <laughs> what if he's the guy that knows the truth you know about the science fiction scam and i'm writing him off
0: when they get to the police they try to explain the situation elaine is still quiet until the police asks for the name of the dead guy. And she says, Christor Valnik, So she knows this guy's name. She then begins speaking fluent Serbo-Croat. Walter knows that she does not know the language and yet somehow she's fluent. What gives?
2: I love this because it makes a meal out of some of the specifics I liked in Charles Dexter Ward. You know, how he can't hide his antiquated speech or his handwriting. But if the body switch happens and there's a complication of language like this, the story kind of hilariously ends there. You know, if you don't know (laughs) the language, the person you inhabited speaks. The jig's Uh up pretty quickly, you know. I watched, just before recording,
3: I watched the Brandon Cronenberg film Possessor, which is in a very similar space to this in many ways. I recommend it because it kind of asks the question, what would happen if two people inhabited the same body at the same time and very bad things happen.
0: Uh, The police are also shocked when she knows Serbo-Croat as... Well, as she does. And they look, they, you know, they check her passport to go, huh, okay, that's a little weird. When she speaks English, however, it's with a thick accent, and she doesn't really talk to her husband the whole time. She says the minimum to him that she has to. In his letter to his friend, Walter explains that Elaine has changed. Her manners are more masculine now. He tries to get her to see a doctor, but she refuses. Walter is scared not just for her, but of her. Then we have Leslie writing to his friend. Fred, who is going to Belgrade, and he wants Fred to check with a doctor... B. How did you guys pronounce this?
2: It's a lot of J's and consonants <laughs> run together, as names in that part of the world are. You know, also we're saying Vallejo, which is up in the Bay Area in California. I think this would likely be pronounced a little differently.
0: We'll call him, we'll call him Dr. B. Dr. B. So Fred recommends that he check in with this guy, Dr. B, that he recommended to Walter. Now, we get some correspondence from the police again. Seems Christor Vlanic had a beef with another guy named Petro Zanja. Pietro and his brother, Makia, were both found shot dead to death.
2: And this occurred after the car wreck. I wonder if the sort of polar
3: opposite of whatever a cozy catastrophe is, is dealing with the faff of foreign bureaucracy, as this section does, with the kind (laughs) of letters going backwards and forwards. Because speaking as a Brit and possibly just as a human being, it's one of the things I'm most scared of. Uh That whole instance where you lose your passport on a night out in Uh Amsterdam and you have to go and get it replaced while you're hungover and the hostel's about to close. And, you, Uh you know, you smoke so much dope the night before that your brain has exploded as a for example right sure yeah <laughs> as, a, as, a purely, as a purely speculative uh, uh exercise this also brings me to my uh exhibit c or f i don't know where we're up to yet uh-huh. but uh sure. mm-hmm. in dracula the book harker is doing that that's his job he's he's off to deal with foreign bureaucracy you know mm-hmm. he's a lawyer who's going to arrange this sale which i thought was just interesting an interesting uh sort of
2: parallel. Absolutely. And it hits on something, this story specifically, though, that we haven't really done with the vampire story, which is that fear that some outside influence may change a spouse or loved one as the essential fear. Like Mm. this culture has influenced her so much that she's become foreign. What happened? This is the only language she knows now. It is strange that British imperial fears
3: often fixate on this part of the world. Mm. Even recently, you know, a lot of what was behind Brexit was the fact that the European Union was opening up and there were lots more immigrants from Poland, which was also true of the time in which dracula was written it's just interesting that we (laughs) as imperial pigs seem to pick that part of the world as a particular source of anxiety
0: yeah i don't know if that has anything to do with the cold war that was going on through the latter part of the 20th century as well and that they were the the people to fear they were the insidious communists that we're going to come in and take our way of life, I guess? That, that...
3: Well, I guess and they were, they were robots as well. Like, rather than being the actual Russians, they were the people who the Russians had colonized themselves. And I think mm-hmm. there was something, there's some anxiety in that as well.
0: So the next bit is Fred writing back to Leslie. Fred and his wife were on this trip, and they decided they were going to go into Belgrade and find out what's going on. So they checked into the hotel with the Fizzins, same one that they were staying at, and confirmed at the desk that Elaine had perfect Serbo croat
2: Right at Doctor Linton's urging, there's another doctor and his wife that you refer to here who were just happened to be on that part of the world, so they they checked in. Was Doctor? By the way, I was like, where, Linton sounds so familiar, and I think maybe that's a Wuthering Heights reference because that was a name in that. Yeah. Then then you get this: Elaine did not recognize me or Mary but Mary did her best to have a kind of all girls together with her in spite of that and language difficulty. She thought that out of one of those showing one another clothes affairs, it might be possible to get something. There ain't no party like a showing one another clothes party.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah.
3: Which is what women like to do. I'm assuming this yeah. is like the, the montage
2: sequence in a movie where someone keeps coming out of the changing room in a variety of different outfits. This is absolutely <laughs> that. I actually have a book where I keep notes about things authors have done to disappoint me. First entry under John Wyndham did not elaborate on the clothing montage.
0: Fred decided to go talk to Dr. B. Turns out his take on this whole situation is what the readers have already figured out.
2: Uh, in my head,
3: Dr. B. is played by Klaus Kinski, or at the very least, Udo Kier. Udo Kier, I think.
2: <laughs> I wonder how many times that sentence has been spoken. Klaus Kinski, <laughs> or at the very least, Udo
1: Kier. <laughs> Dr. Bliedolyi may have earned all the letters he has after his name, but if you ask me, he's as crazy as a coot. The man's medieval. What do you think he lectured me on? transferred personality. Of course, I thought he was getting at divided personality, Jekyll and Hyde stuff at first, but not he. That, it appears, is elementary, kid stuff to him. He seems seriously to believe that there are personalities of such hypnotic and dominating power that they can, in certain circumstances, project themselves into other minds, can actually drive out the former occupant of a body, so to speak. According to him, this man who was shot, Christor Vlanek, must have had such a personality. It is, Bledolyi says, the nearest thing to immortality. That personality may have inhabited a dozen or more bodies before that Vlanek. Dracula! We've
3: got Dracula here! <laughs> yes <laughs> the taxi for dracula <laughs> this guy is kind of the best the, the closest thing this story has to uh, van helsing right um, he knows the myths he knows how it works yeah he doesn't actually do anything though he just he just, he just tries to convince these these stupid british people of, of a thing that is clearly self-evident
0: well also he doesn't really offer the any solution it's just like oh yeah uh, well too bad yeah your wife's dead <laughs> There's nothing I could do. Just, you know, don't hang out with her anymore. Dr. B explains three points of evidence. One, Elaine doesn't just have memory loss. She has different knowledge than she had before, has changed mannerisms to become more masculine. Number two, the mark on Vlannik's head was a ward against the evil eye. So someone believed he had superpowers, basically, and we're trying to, trying to stop him from using his superpowers. And three, Flanick tried to do this mind swap on Walter first, but was disrupted by his own physical pain.
2: This doctor's a little like the Jamie Britton of this story. He's trying to make three points about why this is a Dracula. Oh. <laughs> it's like a Dracula within a Dracula. Except in this story, there's a fourth point.
0: When Walter came back and called to Elaine, Vlanek looked at him. Elaine died with Vlanek's body and Vlanek is in Elaine's body. The doctor told them when they get back to test Elaine by calling her Christor and seeing if she responds. Well, they do do that. And of course, when they say Christor, she turns and looks and then she looks Mm. like she got busted as well.
2: This will always be the Brady trick to me. They're being sued by some guy who says he hurt his neck and he can't move his head and he's got a big neck brace on. (laughs) And then during the trial, Mr. Brady throws a briefcase. It hits the ground and the guy turns to look at it. You know what I'm talking about? That's how he. he that guy didn't hurt his neck. But Dr. V is like, don't worry. We will use the Brady trick. The Brady <laughs> trick. Do you, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember why the Bradys were getting sued, what they did to that guy. I don't know if that was another one of Carol's depravities that caused that. But I do remember him throwing the briefcase.
3: I do kind of think that Crystal forgets the first rule of Body Swap Club here. Because. <laughs> yeah. This is the sort of thing that you should be really on, you know, on your toes for that someone just shouts your name and you look around at them. I mean, this guy's supposed to be immortal and has done this many,
2: many times.
3: Ah, yet yeah. he's literally caught out by the Brady trick. which a
0: Real amateur move.
2: That's an amateur move. But you just hit on what's different here, though, is he's not even going to try and pass. This guy is using people like trash, you know? This guy is using uh-huh. people disposably. Whatever, I don't care if I cause confusion. It's enough that I'm in someone else's body. I'm going to do what I want to do and then move along. Oof. That's kind of a revelation yeah. in a way here which is neat.
0: That's true. He doesn't care. It
3: is kind of like, you know, sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger, when Arnold Schwarzenegger plays like a sheriff in a small town. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't seem to matter that he is clearly a big Austrian bodybuilder.
0: Yeah. We have another police report and it seems that Elaine Fission has been fingered for the murder of Petro and Mikla Zanja. So those are the guys that supposedly had beef with Vlanek before. So the last bit of the story is a transcript of a phone conversation with Fred and Leslie. Fred explains that Elaine has been arrested for murdering two strangers. They put it together that these are the people that Vlanek had beef with. Walter is split, he's just disappeared. Fred doesn't think it's actually Walter anymore. When the police were taking Elaine away, she said to Fred in perfect English, get to Dr. B,
1: he'll understand. To put it simply, Just as Vlanek, when his own body was in trouble, forced Elaine's spirit to change places with his, so now that he's got Elaine's body into trouble, he's forced another transference and taken over Walter's body. In fact, if we do find what appears to be Walter, it will actually be an individual who talks Serbo-Croat and knows only a few words of English. And the consciousness now in Elaine's body is Walter's. Good lord! Good lord! There must be something about those parts that sends you all crazy, if that's what you think. Well, what the hell else is there to think? They're executing Elaine in the morning. Oh, and by the way, my real name's Dracula. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> oh, my God, what?
1: Surprising ending. I don't think that last line is right. That and
3: wasn't in my copy. It's possible there was some tampering, but there's just no way of knowing. That what?
2: But it kind of settles it, doesn't it? This is a Dracula story. It does kind of settle it. That does work in your favor. Yeah. That's a fourth clue.
0: <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, case closed. It is a Dracula story. Wow.
2: It is. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it.
0: I did too. It's very slight. It's sort of short and sweet kind of
3: bouncy as well (laughs) i do think that kind of the sort of cozy catastrophe thing Mm. is an interesting kind of rubric to sort of measure the story against because we're in this mysterious part of the world with all these bizarre things going on against which the people have no power and yet the story is communicated to us in these incredibly british Tones. So, by God, man, are you all quite sure? <laughs> They're all over it. It made me think of Village of the Damned, which stars George Sanders, who is the most, by God, man, are you quite sure, actor of all time. In that film, he's dealing with this alien invasion that has sent a radio signal into a bunch of pregnant women to make them give birth to Aryan demon spawn, which is this really, like, frightening notion, just like the notion here is quite frightening. And it butts up against that kind of Englishness and that kind of obsession with protocol and obsession with kind of writing polite notes and letters to each other and i think that can be effective
2: absolutely it seems like Wyndham really is keyed into this invasion from within idea
0: for me i've i've traveled a lot especially since i've moved to england we've gone to to europe and there is a bit of anxiety that goes with traveling
2: so different to run over a man with your car at home you know that you feel <laughs> secure when you... it
1: is
0: i know <laughs> what's going to happen I, I know how much to pay the cops off yeah <laughs> i know how to get rid of the body i know where to hide the body all those things if i'm in a foreign country i'm yeah, I messed out. The setup of this story is almost kind
3: of Lynchian. like it's almost like something out of Mulholland Drive, you know, a yeah, kind of car accident right. on a secluded road. And I think it's a kind of instinct to think that the stuff that preoccupies David Lynch and preoccupies us mutability of, of personality and the the kind of idea that your identity is unfixed is, is sort of a modern anxiety. But of course, people have been worried about this since people were able to write down things at all and kind of ascribing that to some kind of dreamlike location, some sort of nightmarish place, you know, as you see it across all sorts of literature. And I think here it's it's done very well, as it is also done very well in Dracula and Frankenstein and Twin Peaks as well. You know, it's kind of sure. a, a really kind of central theme to a lot of, a lot of work.
2: The automobile is often used to, and everybody I think has experienced something like this, it's used to bring, to make old fears new again, because you are getting in this tiny home on wheels and going out to parts unknown, unprotected. It's, it's maybe you have a caravan of a few people, but that's all you have. And now if you've ever been in a late night car trip in some kind of landscape that is unfamiliar to you, Hmm. werewolves and that all seems a lot more credible when you're in a scenario like that, uh, things that you would laugh
3: at if you were at home. It's it's interesting to think about it that way that the car journey through the night is the same as the sort of the caveman taking a voyage into the woods and you know we've got these like powerful lights on the front of our cars that will illuminate the area just in front of us just in front though just
2: in front we're still surrounded by darkness yeah which Lynch makes use of a lot that idea that all you can see is what's right there in front of you and yeah the car being the the carriage and Dracula thanks Jamie for joining us this has been awesome
3: oh thank you very much for having me it's been it's been really good fun
2: I also want to thank Greg Johnson, our reader today. As always, check out his films and his comedy on YouTube. You're a baby angel. Thank you, Greg. You're like the funniest person on Twitter. (laughs) Listen
3: to that. Oh,
0: wow.
2: Iron Sheik's on Twitter too, so Greg.
0: (laughs) That is high praise. Congratulations. I also want to thank some patrons, people that keep this show rolling. Firstly, I'd like to thank Rainy Day and company.
2: I'd like to thank Fatfish.
0: I'd like to thank S.C.,
2: I'd like to thank coleslaw. These are all real handles. I didn't make these up.
3: Can I just say that if I have another child, male or female, I'm definitely gonna call it coleslaw.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a much better choice than fat fish. I was afraid you were gonna say fat fish. Fat fish sounds like some independent film about a, you know an out of place kid who becomes a hip hop star or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's an Oscar winning
0: title if I've ever heard it. <laughs> I'd like to thank Andrew Taylor. I'd like to thank Matthew Anderson. I'd also like to thank Neil. I'd like to thank Rob Even. Daniel Hess, thank you. And
2: I'd like to thank Matts McMats. You guys are just kicking ass with names this week. I want to thank you for that alone. We're going to be back next week with more Draculas for now and Chad Pfeiffer.
0: I'm Chris Lackey. I'm Jamie Britton, And you've been listening to Strange Studies of Strange Stories
2: at hppodcraft.com.
0: hppodcraft.com.